Hello, thank you for joining us uh, this podcast uh, for pro-life. And we are here tonight uh, to discuss this amazing ministry of Isaiah 54, how God is using uh, his word to offer hope uh, in uh, through his word to those who are desolate. And we just invite you to listen to this podcast and, and to be praying for the people in it and to be praying for us as we continue to serve the Lord. So, Denise, I'm excited to have you on the Pro-Life Team podcast. Would you introduce yourself as if you're talking to a group of uh, pregnancy clinic executive directors and how you might introduce yourself to a group such as that? Thank you, Jacob, for having me. So my name is Denise Venturini South. I am uh, the uh, founder of um, the Isaiah 54 ministry, which is a ministry designed to share the hope that's in God's word through the Isaiah 54 uh, um, chapter. And it is specifically designed for women and children that may find themselves in a desperate, desolate situation. Mm -hmm. I'm also a chaplain for women and children uh, through a ministry here uh, that I'm involved with, with the homeless population in the area where I live in South Jersey. And um, so working with women that are homeless in Ukraine, as well as well as the homeless here, just really kind of fits in. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad, I'm glad you're here to share your story. Um, you were telling me earlier about your, your trip to Ukraine. Can you, can you tell us, you know, tell us about that trip and what yeah. you've experienced through that? So the Isaiah 54 ministry is actually a ministry that that the Lord gave to me during a time in my life when I was very uh, when I was very low and very distraught uh, because of my situation, my personal family situation, being a single mom with having five small children under 12. I found myself having to do it all by myself, and it was very, very difficult. And there was a time when I was facing um, foreclosure and I was so desperate. I just cried out to God and said, there is no way that I can do this, God. I, I need help. And um, I, I, I went to bed sobbing and just hopeless. And the Lord woke me up and whispered in my ear, Isaiah 54. And I was a new believer at the time. And although I was studying the Bible with a, a group of ladies, Isaiah is not necessarily the book in the Bible that you, you read, you know, right away. Uh, so it was strange to me. And uh, I, 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 I got up and I went to my Bible and I started to read. And the first verse of Isaiah 54 said that more are the children of the desolate than that of the married woman. And I immediately knew that God heard my cry. I immediately knew that he heard me and that he was answering me. So for the next two years, I just devoured the chapter 54 of Isaiah. I read it. I studied it. I cross-referenced it. Um, what, and what I was actually doing was creating a curriculum that I was now able to uh, offer to other women that also might find themselves in a desolate situation, um, which I did here in, in South Jersey where I live. I was working with youth group, with uh, women's ministries. Uh, sharing this message of hope. 
And uh, then I got involved in an, in a, my current ministry here, uh, working uh, with the homeless. And I kind of set aside the Isaiah 54 ministry for a while. But um, in 2022, early part of 2022, the Lord just started to probe me and prompt me to to get this back, to start opening it up and working it again. And I, I really didn't understand where. Uh, I said, do you want me to do it here in Cape May County again or but anyway, I just opened it up and I started to reread it. I, I was reading it again in my Bible. And then the war broke out in Ukraine. And I immediately knew that that's where God wanted me. He wanted me to take this message to the women and children in Ukraine. So I began to pray about how to do that. Um, I, I, I began to pray about an open door because obviously you just can't walk into Ukraine now. Uh, so I met with uh, some leaders of the Ukrainian Evangelical Baptist Church in the United States. They are a large union from east to west, north to south in the U.S. They have over 2,000 churches in their union. And um, I was able to meet with some of the leaders at a Ukrainian prayer breakfast in Washington, D.C. And I met with them and I shared with them the burden that God put on my heart. And uh, we met again another time uh, after that breakfast meeting in Washington. And uh, lo and behold, they invited me to go to Ukraine with them. And they bought me a ticket and they planned an itinerary uh, for me to travel through Ukraine uh, and we traveled through, as I said, all of Ukraine from east to west. Uh, I'm sorry, from west to east. And even we went a little bit north and south. And um, and I visited 13 locations and was able to share um, the Isaiah 54 message with the women and children in those locations. Wow. Um, so what what is your... Yeah, tell us what that was like to, to share the Isaiah 54 mission with, with people there in Ukraine? It was an honor because the Lord put it on my heart. So I was confident that um, it was going to be successful and success is, is not, is not uh, calculated in, in, in monetary, you know, numbers or anything like success is that people were listening. People were hearing, they were making the connection um, I, I met with a group of widows in uh, a small a small town outside of Kiev and uh, run by a chaplain, uh, a former Air Force, Ukrainian Air Force commander. Uh, he is retired and he is a chaplain. And his ministry is to take care of widows and orphans. I met with 130 of them and uh, in a small meeting room. And I was able to share the Isaiah 54 message with them. And they were just overwhelmed with joy, knowing that God does hear them, that God does see them, and the promises that Isaiah 54 holds, that he will teach all of their children, that they will not be ashamed of their past, that they will not be burdened by their past, that they will overcome uh, the promises that are in Isaiah 54 for the desolate are just so overwhelmingly joyful. And they, 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 um, 
they just ate it up. It, it was wonderful. So would you like to read a portion or all of Isaiah 54? Um, maybe in the, or maybe read a portion and then reflect oh. on it. That might be an interesting way to yes. explore how this has impacted, um, impacted you and how you have brought this impact to others. Yes, I certainly can. And I will use the Bible that uh, I read from when the Lord gave me the first message. It's uh, pretty tear-stained, uh, so, <laughs> but it is um, certainly very, very precious to me. Yeah, so I, I have all the dates in my Bible of every time that I read. I went back to Isaiah 54, and, and I read from it. But um, I, I will begin. So Isaiah 54, verse 1, Sing, O barren, you who have not borne, and break forth into singing and cry aloud, you who have not labored. For more are the children of the desolate than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. He goes on to say, Enlarge the place of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwelling and do not spare. Lengthen your cord and strengthen your stake, for you shall expand to the right and to the left. And your descendants will inherit the nation and make the desolate cities inhabited. So, so Denise, this can we was, go back to that this was, verse 1? Yes. Where you said, because more are the children of the desolate woman uh -huh. than of her who has a husband. Can you expand on what you found that to mean? Yes. Who is the desolate woman? Yes. So we know in context, we know in context that this was written for the for the 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 um the Jewish people that were sent out into exile. Okay. But how we can apply it to our lives is is that the children of the married are the children that are that are connected to God. The desolate are those who are outside of God's family. But God is saying here that I'm bringing you in. I'm, I'm offering you this opportunity to come in, to become a part of the family. And I'm making a way to do that through this war. This war is opening up a door of opportunity for all of those who hear his message to come in, to become a part of the family. But we need to give that message. We need to offer that, provide that invitation. And the women that heard this message responded immediately, immediately to the to to the call of salvation. So they have this very deep history of um, of uh, Orthodox coming out of Orthodox Christianity, and a lot of them are steeped, even though they may not be practicing it. They're very steeped in it. So sometimes that that's a hindrance to them to step out in faith and to receive something different. Uh, but I, I was just overwhelmed with joy to see how the Lord uh, used this message, um, you know, to bring people to himself. So what about the barren woman? It starts off seeing barren woman, you who never bore a child. Uh -huh. Is it? Is the woman who's desolate, is she is, is she someone outside the church who's had children, or is it referring to women who may not have had children? Maybe that desolate is different than barren. 
Um, so the word barren, the word barren here actually in the Hebrew does does mean women that have not had ch okay. had children. So this is women that have not had any children. So what the Lord is saying is the women who have not had any children, because being barren back in in this day in Isaiah's time was shameful. Uh, they, it, you know, it it, it brought a, a very negative stigma that you might have done something, or you were sinful, or God didn't love you, uh, or your family. Uh, so it, it was not a good position to be in. But what God is saying is, you who are barren and have not born, you should be singing, because more are the children of the desolate. The desolate are women that have children and yet have no future. Hmm. We can take it as those who are outside of the church. But in contextually, he's saying that it is because of the women that have have children, but they have no no future. They're desolate. More of more are they than the women that have children and are married. Yeah, it, it's, it sounds like um, so a desolate woman would probably be someone who is essentially living without hope. And then the married woman probably has yeah. hope because of a foundation and structure to for, for their for her children to um essentially have a pathway um towards Jesus perhaps. It sounds like that yeah, it's like being with hope versus without hope. I, I was listening to a, a podcast exactly. by Jordan Peterson this last week and he was talking about how when he was very young and broke he did not feel like he was in poverty because he had hope. And he also knew people that had just as little money as he did or no money. And they did not have hope. And he felt like they were actually in poverty because because poverty wasn't a monetary state. It was more of a state towards looking towards the future. He didn't feel like he was in poverty because he, he had great hope for where he was able to go into the future. And I feel yeah. like that really resonates here. <laughs> Being without hope um, mm -hmm. is can change everything compared to being with hope, and and um, having children mm -hmm. um, in one circumstance with hope can be very can be wonderful naturally, and then without hope can be very overwhelming and sad. And and yeah, it seems like um, yeah, I feel like. Yeah, and then the barren woman also feels like there's a lack of hope based on how the culture may have been treating barren women, and so it feels like there's there's, there's like this call, no. calling a, a call to speak hope into the hopeless here, and comparing it to those who have hope almost. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, and that's why I knew when when the Lord, you know, pierced my heart, prompted me to to go to to Ukraine to bring this message. Of Isaiah 54 to the women and children in Ukraine, I I I just immediately said, "How how do I do that? God, show me how to do that." And He did. He was very faithful. He opened the door, and um, and I I mean I had an escort. Uh, you know the 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 pastors of the church uh, escorted me into Ukraine. So it, it was it, it was such a blessing. So what? Yeah. What change did you experience um, people having during those conversations? Um, how would you, you know, what was it like in the beginning, the middle, and the end? 
Um, well, I, I, I'd like to just isolate uh, certain uh, locations because each location was different, a uh, different population of women and different circumstances. So there was a church in Poltova, which is on the uh, which is on the east side of the Dnipro River, very close to where the the war, the the you know the uh, action is, is happening. Um, they are um, they are a, they were they are a small church, and the city actually uh, gave the church a, a bank that was closed because of the war. They received fourteen hundred women and children in one day. And the group that I was traveling with, which were, it was three, three pastors and three pastors from America and one pastor from the, um, from the union in Keith. Uh, so, so there were four and, and myself. And um, when we arrived at, at the church, uh, they, they were so busy addressing the needs of the people I immediately just jumped in and started, I got on the food line and just started to hand out food or whatever was there. I, I don't even think they noticed who I was or that I was there. I was just another set of hands. But I, I immediately just, just began to sense that this is what God wanted me to do right now. He wanted me to hand out food. Like these people were not in a place where they could hear anything right now. They just came from their homes. Most of them were without anything, just the clothes on their back and, um, and just needed water. They needed something to eat. They needed clean clothing. Some of them were wet because it had rained and they walked so far. Um, so they, they weren't there to hear a message. They were there. My place was just to give them food and to serve, which I was very happy to do. And uh, we stayed there for about four hours and we continued to minister in that respect, in that way. The men who were, the the pastors I, I were with they also started to serve. Uh, they they were they were doing other unloading trucks and whatever, um, and then we left. So I didn't even have an opportunity to to serve um, the women there with the Isaiah fifty four ministry, but I was able to share um, it in some way. So each location was different, but each location gave me the opportunity to give hope, whether it was in the form of a meal that God sees you, God cares about you. He's providing this food for you. He's giving you this warm place to sleep tonight, clean clothes, or to be able to sit down and share a meal. And now let's open the Bible and talk, which is, which is what I did with most of the locations. Mm. Yeah. That's beautiful. How, yeah. Serving God comes in so many creative forms based on what someone might need. And, um, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, tell me, tell us more. Tell us another story. <laughs> yeah. So in verse five, it says, For your maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, and he is called the God of the whole earth. For the Lord has called you like a woman forsaken and grieved in spirit, like a youthful wife when you were refused, says God. For a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercy I will gather you. With a little wrath I hid my face, but with everlasting kindness I will have mercy on you, says the Lord. So this is 
this, this we hear the word mercy here often. God is repeating that. And we need to recognize what are God's mercies? They are, are they just when he gives us what we're asking for? Or are the mercies that he's taken us out of a lifestyle that is not pleasing to him, even though that may have come through war and he's brought us now to a place of repentance? Is that God's mercy? So I had the opportunity to understand that Ukraine, prior to the 2014 occupation, they were living a life very much like the Israelites we see in the book of Judges where they knew what was right, they knew what was pleasing to God, but they did what was good in their own eyes. They ended up in trouble. God sent a deliverer. They stayed that way for a while, and then they went right back to living the way they wanted to. And this had been Ukraine's history for some time. Um, not all of Ukraine, but the majority of it. And I, I was... I was uh, sharing a conversation with one of the pastors, not that came with us, but while I was with the with the breakfast team in Washington, that some of the Ukrainian people expected this to happen because they they not forsake God, forsook God, but they 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 started to live their own life, and this war has given them the opportunity to. It was God's mercy because it's given them the opportunity to repent and to turn back to the way that they know is pleasing to God to live. And that is why they are building in the midst of the war. So the war is all around them. Russia is dropping bombs and missiles all throughout Ukraine. But yet they are building because they know that God is going to deliver them from this. It, it, it's because they are repenting. They recognize what they, how they lived was displeasing to God. They are repenting, and they know that God will deliver them. So that is a mercy, as we see in, in those verses 6, 7, and 8. That is a mercy that God is offering to them. It's very important that we recognize that. So... Based on your experience with these people and women in Ukraine, um, how might you provide insight for pregnancy clinic directors who are working to serve women and children and men and young families, mostly women, in hard situations? Um, well, you know, how might you draw insight or, or wisdom from what you've experienced that might be helpful to a pregnancy clinic director um, working to serve women and, and the other family members in these hard situations. Well, so, uh, my, my first, uh, encounter with the Ukrainian, uh, people started in Poland. Um, when the Lord put on my heart to go to Ukraine with the Isaiah 54 ministry, he allowed me to go to Poland first to Warsaw and to minister to, um, Actually, there were 3,800 women and children at a, at a refugee center in Warsaw. And uh, I went there and I ministered to them uh, through the Isaiah 54 ministry. And after the, the time of conference, it, 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 I broke it down into three days, uh, the material. After that time of conference, 
I continued to stay in Warsaw and I continued to minister at the center, but I was doing more one-on-one with the women. So as they were sharing with me their stories, a lot of them were talking about uh, their circumstances, that they are without their husbands, they are without their families, uh, they're without their fathers, their brothers. Most of the men uh, have stayed back in Ukraine. And they don't know if they're alive. They don't know anything about them. They've had no word from them. So they are in a very desperate place. They're in a foreign country. Uh, They are without family, without community, without direction. Um, So bringing this message that God sees them, that God hears them, and that God is giving mercy to them, by bringing them here with an opportunity to start their life new in him is just, yeah, it's just like a breath of fresh air. Um, so a lot of the women were pregnant when they fled Ukraine and uh, abortion was an option uh, for them to relieve them from what they were told is a now this is another burden you have um some of them did succumb to that but others who did not and made their way to the refugee center were met with uh pro-life services so there 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 was uh nadia's um ministry which is uh, save a life international um and there was also other other pro-life ministries there as well, reaching out to the women um, and the children that were there, giving them the hope that it's going to be okay. Um, but how is it going to be okay is is not an easy answer because they Poland received so many people at one time. It was virtually it was really impossible, you know, to fulfill that it's going to be okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, you're going to be fed and you're going to be clothed, but beyond that, there's really not much we can do to offer you. So having these pro-life services there, these women and men that were providing these services was was so life-saving for, for these people, uh, giving them the opportunity to feel safe enough to go on with their pregnancy, to have the babies, and just know that they, they're a blessing from God, and <laughs> God will help. He'll work it out. That's so rich when it comes to having that, yeah, re- that, fre- that uh, fresh start or that fresh beginning in a new direction or that breath of fresh air. And, to li- yeah, essentially letting encouraging yeah. someone to, to let go of a hardship and take on a new direction. Um, it, 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 wow. it can, you know, it's probably, yeah, changes. Yeah, probably is considered risky, but yeah, just the benefits of being able to um, I tried to use the analogy of a diamond. So when you when you mine for diamonds and you pull them out of the ground, they're really quite ugly. They're just rocks and they're rough and they're jagged and they're brown and black and they're not very attractive. And then they get this this rock and they put it in a tumbler, well, a large machine. And um, I'm sorry, I don't know why I'm getting that. Um, 
and they 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 bounce it around um, until all of those rough edges fall off. And then they take the rock and they put it into another machine and that machine um, again tumbles them but a little bit more gently. Uh, and then again, the process continues until finally after quite some time, the diamond that as we know as a diamond appears shiny and beautiful and sparkling and clear and I, I just try to tell them that you know this right now your life right now is at the first stage you're that rock you're that rough rock that needs to get into that tumbler and that tumbler might be the war that tumbler might be you know being at the refugee center or or being without hope but stay in the tumbler because you're going to keep going into the next one and the next one and that's the, the Isaiah 54 ministry is what it's like a pathway that leads you through each one of those stages. So I'd like to just just to go back and reference from verse nine. It says, for this is like the waters of Noah. For I have sworn that the waters of Noah would no longer cover the earth. And so I have sworn that I would not be angry with you or rebuke you anymore. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed, but my kindness will not depart from you. My covenant of peace will not be removed, says the Lord, who has mercy on you. And then he goes on to say, oh, you afflicted one, you who is tossed with tempest and not comforted. Behold, I will lay your stones with colorful gems. I will lay your foundation with sapphires. I will make your walls like rubies. I'm sorry. I will make your pinnacles like rubies and your gates of crystal. And all your walls will be of precious stones. And here, verse 13. All your children shall be taught by the Lord. And great shall be the peace of your children. And that was the verse I accentuated when I was talking to a woman who was in a crisis pregnancy, who was maybe faced with the opportunity of choosing abortion or, or choosing something else even, uh, that this is what God says, that great is the peace of your children. And I, I just pray that they would accept that as truth. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Make. I like the diamond For analogy maybe, even more because it feels like he was talking yeah. about all these, yeah, these jewels and making things out of yeah. jewels, um, and you know, out of the storm. Yes. Yes. And we yeah. are his jewels. Absolutely. Ah, wow. Well, this this is oh, what a delight. This this to reflect on how God's word speaks to, speaks hope into darkness or speaks hope into difficult situations. Um, yes, yes. Hmm. Well, um, yeah. Well, I, vis I visited another location. I visited another location um, in Lviv, which uh, is actually, uh, we are working to create the life station there. Uh, they've just received another 55 refugees right out of Bakhmud. And they are also uh, taking on a lot of older people. Um, that so the older people were not able to make 
the trip uh, across Ukraine when the refugees first started to leave, they chose to stay. Uh, and they've been living, you know, with the bombs falling on their head all this time. But now we know that in the Donetsk region where Bakhmut is, there's nothing left, nothing. There's, there's just the dirt on the ground. And most of them had to leave. But Ukraine was able to transport them um, more easily. Uh, so it was less difficult for them being old uh, to, to, to leave. They, they had ambulances and they had larger vehicles that they were able to transport the people to safety. And a lot of them went uh, as far west as um, Lviv or Lusk or some other, other areas there uh, on the border of Poland. And so I was ministering to the older women who were there, and they, and they actually were encouraging me because I was, I think I was just tired by the end of the trip and I started to become weary, and they were encouraging me. I remember one older woman, now I don't speak Ukrainian or Russian, so there was either an interpreter or we were just understanding each other through, you know, motions. And, and she took my face in her hands and she said to me, everything's going to be okay. God is with us. And I said, yes, that is the whole message of Isaiah 54, that God is with us. And that God loves us and he's not going to leave us. And he understands our trial, our burden. Um, and we can apply this now specifically to, you know, women in, in, in pregnancy, uh, you know, crisis. That God is with us from the beginning. He's there with you. He made that precious baby and he's there with you. And he's going to stay with you through the process. And he's going to give you a hope and a future. Uh, you and your child and your family. And this is the promise that he gives us in Isaiah 54. So the end of Isaiah 54, um, it, it even empowers us now. So now God is saying, not only am I going to remember you, not only am I going to give you mercy, or this situation is actually mercy, and not only am I going to rebuild you, but now I'm going to give you power. And we know that we've been given authority, right? The same authority that God gave Jesus is the same authority that Jesus gives believers. So now, after we've established that they are born-again believers, this is wonderful news to share with the people, is that in righteousness you shall be established, and you shall be far from oppression, and you shall not fear. And from terror it shall not come near you. Indeed, they shall assemble but not because of me, and whoever assembles against you shall fall. Behold, I have created the blacksmith, who blows the coals in the fire, who brings forth an instrument for his work, but no weapon forged against you shall prosper. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. Power. So the whole message from just verse one through, um, you know, through verse 18 is, is just, uh, yeah, it's, it's just an amazing story how, how God has this whole thing planned out. So as you out, reflect yeah. on those final verses, how does that, what, what is your uh -huh. thoughts on spiritual warfare 
um, and these weapons that are being described. What are your thoughts on that? So my thought is that, you know, my, my first, uh, my first was to share hope, uh, w with the women and, um, and to, to offer them the invitation to come into the family of God, not to be lost anymore, walking out in the wilderness, but to come in. And then after you're in, just to receive all the promises that God has and to allow yourself to be, um, to be put through that tumbler to take off all those rough edges. And now he promises what he's going to do for us and for our children to make us prosper. Then he gives us the power. And that power now is to be able to stand even in the midst of the war and to recover and, and, to, and to carry on the message of hope to other people, which is what the Lord wants. The Lord wants us to make disciples. And I told all the women that I ministered to, I, I, most of them, I, if I had the opportunity, was take this message of hope now and share it with someone else. Don't keep it for yourself. Share it with someone else. Even the little children, there's a, there's a children's ministry that comes along with it. So for the girls, I usually give them the story, share the story of Esther and how God used Esther, who was probably a very happy child, and then her life turned upside down and she was taken into captivity, but it was for a reason. And for the children to try to understand that God has a reason for their captivity as well. Um, and then for the, for the young boys, I talked to them about David, how David was chosen as a child to become king and how David went through trials and he went through a period of being isolated, having to live in the wilderness, even having to hide in caves and to be abandoned uh, by his family and his friends. And then yet God delivered him from them all. And not only did he deliver them, but he raised them up to be leaders. And just to try to give them that sense that God is with them and he's going to build something new inside of them through this war. So this, this was all very, very important, you know, not only for the women, but for the children to also walk away with this knowledge. Mm. Yeah, it's it just it, God's remarkable story just provides hope even when things are feeling overwhelming that's when hope is mm -hmm. is um yeah it it, cha it changes the outlook it, you know having that hope um absolutely. and absolutely and i and i truly believe it yeah, did and, that and work, one of the yeah. beautiful things about well the end of the bible and Re yeah revelation is that Ultimately, Jesus wins out over sin in every uh -huh. imaginable way, and and so, yeah, we Amen. know how the, we know how the story ends. And so, even though it feels like sometimes we're way behind, or the, yeah. like you know, things are stacked against us, ultimately Jesus wins, and uh -huh. we ha and that's where that you know, that's yeah, you know, that's that's one of the foundations I think for having hope, even even in um, even when things don't logically makes sense or things are really hard there's always hope to be found and and god is present yeah. and it's also part of that hope is that god yeah. is with us even in the hard times um oh he showed up in amazing ways uh, all all throughout all of the trips that i took the one into ukraine and and the one to poland 
uh, God showed up in, in, in amazing ways all, all the time. Um, so I, I try to point out that those times and ways to the people. Um, there was a young woman who, um, she was 22, and uh, while I was having the conference at the refugee center in Poland, I would spend time walking through the floors of the refugee center, inviting uh, the women to come to the to the meeting. And um, now they're sleeping on cots, and they're all in one large stadium room, uh, so there could be hundreds of people there. And uh, so I'm walking between the cots, and I'm just handing out a little brochure that I had someone write in Ukrainian or Actually, they speak Russian, most of the people. And, um, you know, just inviting them to the ministry. And there was this young girl, like 20, I found out she was 22, and she was crying. And um, she said, oh, I, she said, I'm tr she was on her phone. And she says, I'm trying to get back into school. She said, I'm a medical school major, and I'm going to lose my education. And she was so distraught about it. She said, I'm trying to do school on my phone. Like she got her phone and threw it on the bed. And she says, how can I go to school and do this work on my phone? And I, I, just, I just said to her, God has a plan for you. He, he doesn't want to harm you. He wants to help you. I said, just surrender this time to him and allow him to make something beautiful of it. Uh, I said, maybe God is redirecting you into another path. Or maybe he's just telling you to hold on and wait a little bit. But I said, it'll be all right. Um, so she didn't come to the meeting that day, but she came to the meeting the next day. And she wasn't crying. So we prayed for her, the team of, of people that I was with. We prayed for her, and um, I haven't heard from her. I, I, I don't know what happened to most of the people, but I don't have to know. God knows. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Denise, for sharing your stories and just encouraging, being an encouragement to those who get to hear these stories um, and really just giving all honor to God Amen. as this is, yeah, essentially we're, yeah, I feel like God's fingerprints and this is really his story where we're just reflecting how we have seen it or experienced it. Um, would you... Yeah, would you yes, do us the absolutely. honor of just leading, yeah, maybe closing our podcast and our prayer, and, and, and yeah, for those who are listening, they can be invited uh -huh. to join in this, um, yeah, these prayers that you might lift up here. Yeah. Yes, I will. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for who you are, that you are a great, great God. You are all-knowing, all-present, all-loving. And Lord, your greatest desire is for us to know you, for us to be a part of the family of, of God. So my prayer, Lord, is that you would accomplish that through whatever, uh, whatever avenue, whatever circumstance that you choose, Lord, to draw us near to you. That is the mercy that you give that you will run after us and you will bring us in any way that you can. What a blessing, Lord, how much you love us. So, Lord, I am grateful and thankful that you allow us to be a part of this work. 
whether it's going to Ukraine or just going across the street, uh, whether it's giving a cup of cold water or whether it's providing a meal or presenting a ministry. You invite us in to do the work. And we thank you and praise you for that. And we give you all the glory and honor until the great day when we see Jesus return, we say amen and amen. Thank you. Our sponsors include Heritage House, Patriot Insurance, and irapture.com. The Pro-Life Team Podcast is a ministry of irapture.com. If you would like to explore making a donation or becoming a sponsor or have a recommendation for who would be a good guest on the podcast, please contact us at hello at prolife.team. shepherd I shall not